Hey, welcome to Access. John here. Did you know that there are two things in your life that have the ability to influence you more than anything else? What you read, which is why it's so incredibly important to read your Bible, and your friends, which is why it's so incredibly important to have a relationship with Christ. These two things have the power to influence our lives. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about who we're surrounding ourselves with because the truth is is that sometimes the people that we surround ourselves with can overcomplicate things. This message is entitled Simple Friendships. When you get sick, do you start blaming it on people? Um, maybe look for people who were sick and then you're like, oh yeah, I got sick from them. You may not know this about me, but um, I'm, I'm constantly washing my hands. I hate the idea of my hands being dirty or there are germs on my hands, especially before I'm about to eat. Um, I absolutely hate walking into bathrooms and having to touch the doorknobs after I after I wash my hands because what's the point? You know, there's germs all over those doorknobs. And um, I'm at this season in my life where uh, I have to uh, change a lot of poopy diapers. And so I, I probably wash my hands 20, 30 times a day. And the reason why this is such a big deal for me is because I hate the idea of having germs on my hands because I don't want to get sick. And when I do get sick, I uh, I start looking for somebody to blame. Like, oh, you know, this person was around me and they were coughing and sneezing and so they probably got me sick. And I'll even villainize them in my mind. Like, they did it on purpose. I, I just hate being sick. And, and at this stage in my life, um, I can't afford to get sick. And so I do everything I can just to make sure that I don't get sick. Um, you know, in truth, it's probably not germs on my hands. It's probably, you know, I have to eat right. I have to exercise regularly. So do something. Take vitamins. Make sure that your immunities are high. Um, and uh, if, if, if I'm this concerned about getting sick, it wouldn't make much sense for me to go hang out in a, in a doctor's office waiting room. Like, that's not where I should spend my free time. But uh, most of the time, uh, people get sick because whatever's airborne or or whatever's contagious, it just travels through the air. But, you know, if you would spend most of your time away from sick people, you probably wouldn't get sick very often. Um, Not only can physical illness be contagious, I believe there's a biblical principle that shows that um, a person's spiritual, spiritual condition can be contagious as well, which is why it's so incredibly important for us to choose our friends wisely. Now, we've been on a uh, six-week series. We're on a a week five of of, of six. um, uh, This series is called Simplify, and it's based off the book Unclutter Your Soul, Simplified by Bill Hybels. Um, And and the concept is is that everybody loves the idea of having things simple. In fact, things that are simple sell really, really well. The reason the iPod became so popular is because it didn't have 500 buttons. It had one button. People love simplicity, and we love the idea of simplicity in our lives, but unfortunately, simplicity is one of those things that seems to evade us a lot. Most of the time, things are complicated. Things get complicated pretty quickly. Um, And in today's message, what we're going to talk about is um, the fact that we might be surrounding ourselves with people that tend to complicate issues for us. Um, have you ever had a relationship with somebody and somebody said, well, what, what's, what's the story with them? And you're like, well, it's complicated. And I'm not saying that we should kick these people to the curb if things are complicated. What I'm saying is is that there are certain types of people that tend to complicate our lives. 
And I, I think um, we underestimate sometimes just how much influence people can have on us. Now, you might be telling yourself, nobody can manipulate me. Well, I don't think you've ever been so wrong because there are two things that influence your life more than anything else. What you read, which is why it's so important to read Scripture, and um, the, who your friends are, which is um, an important truth to have your friend in Jesus because you want him to influence you. The people you spend the most time around have the power to influence you and even transform you. Um, you you not, might not be the person that washes your hands 30 times a day, but if you spend time around people that wash their hands consistently, you will learn to wash your hands consistently too. I think there's this deep need in each, each of us to want to be loved. And I guess we think that in order to uh, find love and to be loved, we need to be like other people, and so maybe we kind of turn into a chameleon a little bit. We just kind of blend in with our environment. Um, even though we might wash our hands 30 times a day, we still get sick, right? Well, why should the conditions of our hearts be any different? Your heart can get sick, and if you spend time in a doctor's office, you're probably going to get sick. That's why I don't like hospitals very much. Um, the conditions of our hearts can be changed and even altered by who we spend time with, the truth is, is that stupid rubs off. Now, have you ever watched a kung fu movie and uh, when it was over with, you felt like karate chopping somebody? That's because stupid rubs off. Now, maybe you work in an environment where profanity is a, con- uh, a constant thing. Maybe it's a consistent part of everybody's conversation. Can profanity rub off? You better believe it can. Erin, uh, my wife Erin, has a, a phrase that she says often. She says, garbage in, garbage out. In other words, if you're constantly surrounded with swear words and that's what goes in your ears, then that's probably what's going to come out of your mouth. It works the same for TV, um, you know, just books. Whatever you surround yourself with, that's probably what's going to come out of you. Why? Because stupid rubs off. Maybe you work in an environment where the object is to make more and more money. Like the workplace, everybody's concerned about the bottom line. Can that rub off in your personal finances as well? You bet. If you're not careful, you'll soon find yourself in an unhealthy relationship with your finances. Have you ever been to a party where alcohol consumption was the main event? Can overdrinking rub off? Yes, it can. That's how some people die of alcohol poisoning. Now, I once watched a boxing match on TV where the fight went all 12 rounds, and everybody's cheering them on and and wanting their, their contender to win. Um, but because it didn't work out the way that uh, people wanted, um, fighting started to break out in the crowd. Can anger and violence rub off? Don't be so naive to think otherwise. In fact, Scripture consistently warns us that we should be extremely careful who we call our friends. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, says in Proverbs thirteen twenty, He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. In other words, be careful who you hang out with. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come and tell me, I guess I just started hanging out with the wrong crowd. You know, I I, I started doing all the things that they were doing, and I just fell out of fellowship with God in church. Now, while it needs to be said that if you are in Christ, God's grace washes over all your transgressions, It's also an important message 
that God warns us to choose our friendships carefully because it can direct our future. Now, maybe you're a parent that you try to drill this into your kids like, I don't like your friend. Why do you not like their friend? Because you know that stupid rubs off. Um, if you're around the kind of person who's always negative and always trashing their spouse, do you think that you're strong enough not to fall into negativity and destructive criticism? The Bible teaches you that you and I are not strong enough to overcome sin on our own and that the Holy Spirit will not lead us into relationships where our character will deteriorate. When we surround ourselves with foolish people, we become like them. And when we surround ourselves with wise, mature people, their high character rubs off too. As uncomfortable as it might make us feel, we must be willing to make necessary course corrections in our friendships. Now you may be thinking, that sounds awfully judgmental. Well, isn't it wrong to judge our friends? Wouldn't you say that? Is it wrong to judge our friends and determine whether they're the type of people we should hang out with? Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 7, 1, do not judge or you too will be judged? He absolutely does. But he also says, almost in the same breath, do not give the dogs what is sacred and do not throw your pearls to pigs. For if you do, they may trample you. They will trample the pearls under feet and they will soon tear, tear you to pieces. So in other words, isn't Jesus making a judgment there? This isn't being judgmental or condemning anybody. Jesus is simply talking about being a good steward of your life and having a realistic understanding of, of others' natural ability to influence you. Solomon had much to say on this principle, um, and he even goes to details in, in some of the kinds of behaviors we should avoid in Proverbs 6. Uh, 16 through 19. So I want to read that for you. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, it says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. The truth is, there are plenty of foolish people that are very likable, especially when you first meet them. However, it takes a careful evaluation to peer into a person's life and determine whether these are the kinds of people that we should allow into our inner circle. So Solomon, he lists several character traits that are so offensive to God that they should be, quote, red flags in our relationships. Solomon says that if you see any of these traits in people, to put up your guard. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be rude to them. You can be polite to them. You can pray for them. You can invite them to church with you. You can even try to lead them to faith in Christ. But don't even think about inviting them into your inner circle of friendship. Why? Because stupid rubs off. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Paul just tells us, told us there, stupid rubs off. So let's take a look at Solomon's list and determine whether there are any relationships in our lives that might be corrupting good character. Solomon says God, first and foremost, hates pride. Or what he says, haughty eyes. 
People who have haughty eyes, they look down on others. Now, this can manifest itself as arrogance. Um, they might say things like, I matter, you don't. I'm sophisticated, you're simple. I'm cultured, you're plain. I'm rich, you're poor. I'm educated, you're ignorant. I'm beautiful, you're average. I'm spiritual, you're secular. I'm conservative, you're liberal. Or I'm liberal, you're conservative. I'm young, you're old. I'm established, you're blue collar. This is pride. This is having haughty eyes looking down on other people. What does the Bible say about pride? It seems in it says in James 4, 6 that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Those who have prideful attitudes stand in opposition to God. Do you really want to be torn between your friends and God? Better yet, do you want to stand in opposition to God? Well, don't be proud. Sometimes we deny the influence that people have over us. We say things like, you know, other people might struggle with that, but not me. You know, I'm not, I'm not easily manipulated with my friends like other people are. Well, guess what? That's haughty eyes. That's looking down on other people. And if you're constantly around somebody who has haughty eyes, it will rub off on you. Humility is when we confess that we are unable to save ourselves, that we're not better than others, and that we know where we belong with Christ. Pride is corrosive, it rubs off, and you will have an incredibly difficult time trying to develop Christ-like humility if your close friends are arrogant, full of pride, and look down their noses at everyone else. Pride rubs off. Solomon also says that God hates dishonesty. What he says is a lying tongue. Now, most of us know to steer clear from somebody that blatantly lies. However, it's equally important to keep our distance from people who fudge the truth or exaggerate, people who think that little white lies don't matter. Again, we aren't called to treat others unkindly. In fact, if we're being honest, I think we can all see that we're all guilty of telling lies. All of us have embellished or exaggerated a story to make it more colorful when we're retelling it later. However, we aren't supposed to invite these people into our inner circle because lying rubs off. Sometimes Aaron will catch me exaggerating. She tells me, you know, this story keeps getting better every time you tell it. <laughs> stop exaggerating. In other words, we should stop embellishing and just stick to the truth. God hates a lying tongue. And encircling ourselves with friends that either blatantly lie or subtly, subtle, subtly stretch the truth. Can't say the word subtly. They stretch the truth. That will have an inf influence on us to do the same. Because they have incredible stories. How are you going to keep up with them? It's very hard to speak the truth when our friends intentionally deceive others by telling lies. The reason why is because lying rubs off. Solomon says that God also hates mean-spiritedness. Uh, he says hands that shed innocent blood, but it's being mean-spirited, right? Everyone knows we shouldn't invite an axe murderer into our small circle of friends. But in this passage, I believe Solomon is warning us not to be 
not only to be wary of killers, but also to be wary for uh, looking out, be looking out for people um, who use their power to take advantage of other people. He's telling us to beware of people who exploit and oppress the weak. We should watch out for individuals who throw their weight around and like to stick it to people. Bill Hybels, he tells a story about when he was a kid, he went to camp. And he said that uh, you know, there was a kid in the cabin that everybody wanted to be around. He was the cool kid. And this cool kid went out and he caught a gopher in a bucket. And he brought it back into the cabin and he pulled out a knife and he told the other boys, Hey, let's torture it. And even though none of the other boys thought that was going to be a really good idea, one by one, each of them took turns stabbing this gopher. All except for Bill. He said he was way too busy puking his guts out outside the cabin because of what they were doing to this gopher. That kind of stuff, it rubs off. The people you hang around, it rubs off. Jesus, um, he condemned violence. He said, um, you know, whenever he was being arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter took out his sword and he tried to kill a man, but he mistakenly cut off his ear instead. And Jesus rebuked Peter. He said in Matthew 26, 52, put back your sword. For those who draw the sword will die by the sword. It's hard to have a heart that is full of gentleness and kindness in a culture that celebrates violence. We even see it, a for, see it as a form of entertainment, from movies to sporting events. But listen, it is near impossible to not be mean-spirited when your buddies are enamored with violence because mean-spiritedness rubs off. Solomon says that God hates it when we look for trouble. He says, God hates a heart that devises wicked schemes and feet that rush into evil. Have you ever looked around and saw how many scams are out there? I mean, just the other day I was selling a table and chairs on Craigslist and I, I had a scammer try to steal them from me. Basically, the way they do it is they say that they're in the military and they're you know, un- unable to leave their post, but they'll purchase them over, over the internet and uh, send a cashier's check. And when the cashier's check clears the bank, they'll send movers over to, um, to pick them up. And the problem is, is that I had some experience with this, and I know that cashier's checks can clear the bank, and then uh, it can bounce on you later, and you're liable for it later. Now, this is my time of confession. I, I told the guy, you know, I asked him if he was a scammer, and he said he wasn't, and so I played along, but by the time I was done with it, uh, what I did is, I know this is ugly, but I, I told him I was... Um, I was uh, the director of the FBI, and I gave him my uh, home address as the main office, FBI office in Washington, D.C., and this guy sent the check. And, and so he might get caught, but uh, the point of that is is that if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find it. And I asked this guy, is it really worth jail time for a few chairs and a table? doesn't make sense, but he knew what he was doing. Anyway, Solomon warns about such people who have no issue of making a quick buck off somebody else's vulnerability or gullibility. Now, you almost tell, you can almost tell when people are, are devising a scheme or promoting a scam because they go way, way, way out of their way to justify it. They have a lot of words and a little bit of action. Now, you have, um, maybe they give a long sales pitch. Maybe they attempt to play off your emotions, even convince you that you, quote, need their product. But it's not worth it. It's a scam because when people have a good product to sell, they don't have to sell it from the shadows. 
It doesn't take a lot of words. The product stands for itself. I know there are people who don't hesitate to hurt someone else, especially if it makes them a quick buck. But scheming will catch up with us, which is why that if we don't team up with people who are gentle, kind, compassionate people, and we team up with people who are quick to rush into evil, that will rub off as well. Solomon says that God hates gossip and slander. He says he hates a, a false witness who pours out lies. We are to avoid people who spread false information just to tear somebody else down. But also, we should watch out for those who give us the lowdown on somebody else. Why? Well, logically speaking, we can be certain that if they're giving us the lowdown on somebody else, that you know they're probably giving somebody else the lowdown on us. So don't set yourself up for slander. But also, you know, when we surround ourselves with people that always tell the juicy, juicy stuff, if we surround ourselves with gossip, we're setting ourselves up to be a gossip as well. And that just causes a lot of heartache and brokenness for a lot of people down the road. Gossip and slander are the last things that you need to rub off on you. But if you surround yourself with it, it will rub off as well. Solomon says that God also hates divisiveness, which is a person that stirs up conflict. It doesn't take long to figure out whether somebody is divisive or not. And I have a friend that um, he loved nothing more to, than to get me and Aaron arguing. And after the second or third argument, you know, Aaron and I started realizing what was going on. Uh, and we even got him a wooden spoon for Christmas because he loves stirring the pot. But Jesus said in Matthew 15:9, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Now, I've run across many people who love nothing more than to throw a hand grenade into a people a person's life and just watch it explode. It's so much harder to build bridges than it is to burn them down. So who do you surround yourself with? Because they have the power to influence you in the direction that they go. Solomon's seven warnings, they get, it gives us a head start on evaluating our relationships so we can adjust them accordingly. Foolishness rubs off. But isn't it also true that wisdom rubs off? Picture this. Imagine you're at a worship concert for two solid hours. The people around you are singing their hearts out. They're crying. Their hands are waved high. You don't know these people. You probably have never even met them. But can that spirit of worship rub off on you? You bet it can. Here's another scenario. You're in a small group of people who've just taken off their mask and they're being real with the rest of the group. Can that spirit of community rub off on you as well? That spirit of transparency in community? They share their struggles and concerns with Scripture and are vulnerable in front of everyone. Can that be the same for you? You bet. The Apostle Paul offers a contrast to Solomon's seven red flags in, in relationships. In Galatians 5:22 and 23, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Surrounding ourselves with people who display the fruit of the Spirit sets us up for the Holy Spirit to rub off on us as well. How is it do you think people get saved? Isn't it when they find somebody who has a relationship with Christ 
and those people have an influence on them? As harsh as it might sound, you probably have some relationships that could use some pruning. By purposely pruning your relationships, you even make room for new, healthier friendships, relationships that will bear fruit. Now, I'm not saying that you just need to dump all your friends. Because you know what? That sounds pretty cruel. But um, the issue is, is the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in our relationships. I know this is a lot easier. It sounds a lot easier than it actually is. But um, I can also tell you that you and I need to be the friends, the kinds of friends that we want, which means we don't just cut people off. We let God do this for us, and it takes time. Who says your friends can't come with you as you move closer to the Lord? You know, when God finally broke my heart and broke my drug addiction, I woke up and I had this moment with God and I told one of my very good friends, Becky, that um, I couldn't do drugs anymore. I couldn't live with myself for the person that I was and so I was going to move closer to the Lord. You know what she told me? She told me she'd been feeling exactly the same way and we quit drugs together. We, we sought the Lord together. Unfortunately, she died um, a week later in a car accident. And I tell people she kept her promise, as far as I know, that she never did drugs again. And so far, 12 years later, I've kept my promise as well. How weird would it be for you to plop down a Bible in front of your circle of friends and ask them if they want to study the Bible with you? they're really your friends, I'm willing to bet that they would explore their faith with you also. Because that's what friends do. Friends try new stuff together. Maybe they make fun of you. Maybe they're uncomfortable. Well, is it possible that some of your friends might not be interested in pursuing a spiritual journey with you? In these cases, I think the best solution is to get down on your knees and ask God for wisdom. There's no reason to blow up your relationships unnecessarily. And I think the last thing your friends need is to be confused as to why you got all religious on them and cut them out of your life. Because that doesn't do anything but create embitterment towards God and towards you. But what I found is, is that by God's grace, I didn't, I, had, I didn't even have to isolate my friends. What I found is, and this was a little painful, but what I found was is that my friends started isolating me or they started moving closer to the Lord. Um, the friends that I had that didn't want to follow Christ, they stopped inviting me along with them. They stopped inviting me, so I started inviting them, even though they didn't. most of them didn't come with me. And that's sad, and, and maybe God will help them and save them. Maybe I can say something to help them later. But we must recognize that who we hang out with will have the power to influence us whether towards God or away from Him. And we should also recognize that while people have an influence on us, we can have that same influence on others. This is a prayer that I pray often. God, give me the courage to seek you even when it's not popular. Use me to influence others to seek you. If my friends don't seek you, help me to not develop haughty eyes, but a broken heart instead. Because, Lord, I lift my friends up to you. 
Nobody wants a complicated life. However, a simplified life is difficult to pursue. But I also believe that's where God is leading us. He's leading us on the narrow path that's hard to walk. Are there any friendships in your life that seem to be complicating your faith? There are a million different scenarios and we'd never be able to talk about each of them, but although there are numerous complex scenarios, I believe that there is a simple solution to them all. We turn those relationships over to the Lord and we follow His direction through the Holy Spirit. God will lead you in your conversations and He will give you wisdom on how not to fall in with the wrong crowd. And if you're in the wrong crowd, God will lead you out. I want to close on a passage of Scripture because I believe Jesus simplified everything for us in this statement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Things don't have to be complicated in our relationships. Things are simple. We turn everything over to the Lord and we follow his direction. Hey, thanks again for listening. We pray that God blessed you through this message and has given you a clear direction for your life. Please remember to download our church app by searching FBC Rungi in Google Play or iTunes. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss another message. If you have any questions about today's message, you can contact us via Facebook or Twitter or use our website. Until then, we hope that you share in our vision to help people take root, grow, and bear fruit. And if so, then let's get out there and get to work.